As Kevin said, last week we looked at why Jesus came as a baby, and we actually looked at the, the historical precedent set. We looked at the, the theological reasons behind that. If Jesus was going to come as a human, he needed to come as a baby, and that's kind of where we left off last week. And so the next question really is, why come as a human then, right? Now, I talked a little bit last week about how when God intends to save, when he intends to rescue, he uses someone of that family. We saw that with, with Moses. When, when, when God wanted to take the Israelites out of Egypt, he sent an Israelite, Moses, to get them, to redeem them, to bring them out. When we see in the, in the book of Ruth, Boaz is a member of Ruth's family, and so he can redeem the family. He can redeem the land. He can, the, there is a connection between the Redeemer and the family or the clan that is important. And, and we looked at that a little bit last week on why Jesus had to come as a baby because he had to be part of the clan. He had to be part of the family. But there's actually still more to it than that. And so uh, turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 2. We're just going to read two verses, verses 17 and 18. It, is, it will be up here behind me. So Hebrews chapter 2, starting in verse 17. Therefore, he had to be like his brothers and sisters in every way so that he could become a merciful and faithful high priest in matters pertaining to God to make atonement for the sins of the people. For since he himself has suffered when he was tempted... He is able to help those who are tempted. So let's kind of dive in a little bit to this idea in Hebrews. Uh, first, the context that of, of this passage in Hebrews. In chapter 2, the writer of Hebrews is, is making the case for Jesus being the perfect high priest. The perfect high priest. And, and then if you just look in your Bibles, just uh, up at verse 14, it says, Now since the children of flesh and blood in common... Jesus also shared in these, so that through his death he might destroy the one, the one holding the power of death. So, so Hebrews tells us not only that Jesus was the perfect high priest, but he says, uh, Hebrews tells us that, that Jesus came as a human in order to break the power of death, to, get, to make atonement for our sins. Now, atonement is, is incredibly important to us. That, that's the only way we are saved. He, he can only redeem us if he's part of the family, if he shares in our weaknesses and our struggles. Now, there's something to think about there. We think at this time of year, we think about Jesus as a baby, right? Not hard to picture. It's in every nativity scene, right? And it's in stained glass everywhere. It's in pictures everywhere. But have you considered Jesus as a young boy? Or Jesus as a teenager. Jesus as a young man. He has literally grown up here. Like you and I did. Faced what we face in growing up. It's, it's, it's maybe hard for us to picture Jesus as a teenager. But he was. Because he was born here as a baby and, and died here as a 30-some-year-old man. So he was a, a teenager. He literally has been through what we go through. 
And, and that's the part, I think, that we don't understand. Because, because we look at Jesus as a baby and think, well, you know, he had a great mom and dad. He had a, it, it, but we know that, that his, his dad died. We know that, that for, he was born to a, a young teenage mother. We, we know so much about how hard his life was when you, when you step back and look at it. So I wanted to, to take us through kind of a walk, and it's admittedly a walk to the cross, but I wanted to take us through a walk to see how Jesus has actually struggled with what we struggle with. So for instance, the story of Judas in Matthew 26. Judas makes a deal with, to betray Jesus. We know his story. He gets 30 pieces of silver, right? Judas was the treasurer of the disciples. Judas has walked around with Jesus for three years. He, he knows Jesus. Jesus knows him. The disciples trusted him. And yet, he betrays Jesus. Have you ever felt betrayed by someone close to you? Ever had anyone that you trusted betray that trust? Because Jesus has. Or how about Peter? In Matthew 26, verses 31 to 35, Jesus tells all the, all the disciples that, uh, that, that they will fall away. And what does Peter do? He stands up face to face with Jesus, says, not me. I got your back. I'll be with you to the end. There's no way they're going to separate me and you. But we know the story of Peter too, don't we? I don't know him. Uh, you, you got the wrong guy. I, I, I never knew, that wasn't me that was with him. Have you ever had friends leave you, denying they even knew you when they said they'd have your back? Jesus has. Or, or take Jesus' closest friends. He takes his closest friends with him to the mountain. Matthew 26, starting in verse 36. He takes them uh, to the mountain where he's going to pray. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he, uh, he, he takes them there, and, it, and the text specifically tells us that he was sorrowful and troubled. So Jesus is upset. And he's, he takes his, the, his friends, his closest friends with him. And he says, pray with me. You remember what they do? They fall asleep. They fall asleep. And so he comes back from praying a little ways away from them. He comes back and, and wakes them up and says, I need you to pray with me. I need you to be with me. I am, I am troubled. I am sorrowful. You, we can see anxiety in Jesus in the garden here. Remember, he prays, God, let there be a, a plan B. Let, let, uh, let this cup pass from me, if it's possible. Let there be a different plan. Now, I always point out when I, when I look at that, that story, Jesus prayed a prayer he knew would not be answered. He knew what he came for. He knew he had to die on that cross. He knew it. And yet he prayed to God to ask for a plan B, a different way. He prayed a prayer he knew God would not answer. But what God did was change when we pray these kind of prayers, God changes us. He doesn't change the situation, he changes us. So, so Jesus has these closest friends and, and they disappoint him. They fall asleep. 
Have you ever had close friends in, in the church, church folk, that have let you down, that, that have said, I'll pray for you, I'll, I'll help you, and they don't? Have you ever felt like, like church folks, your, your own folks in church, are just too busy for you? Jesus has. Or how about the liars at, at the trial before the high priest Caiaphas, Matthew 26, verses 57 to 68. This is Caiaphas, it, it, this, Jesus is on trial in front of the high priest Caiaphas. And, and Caiaphas can't find anything wrong, so what does he do? He goes out and finds people that were willing to lie about what Jesus did. He goes looking for people that are willing to lie, and he finds plenty. He finds plenty of people that are willing to lie about what, who Jesus is, what Jesus did. Have you ever had someone lie about you? Have you ever faced consequences because someone has lied about you? Jesus has. Or your own people in, in Matthew 27. This is a trial before Pilate. Jesus is delivered to the Roman governor. And, and the Roman Pilate, and, and Pilate can't find anything wrong. He's ready to release Jesus. But the people, his own people, in, in Jerusalem, the Jews don't want to release him. So Pilate has this, uh, the Roman governors of the time had this, uh, this, at Passover time, they would release one prisoner to the people. So he, he's, he's, I'm sure, thinking, well, I'll take Jesus up there because there's nothing wrong with this guy. So he takes Jesus and Barabbas, and who do the people choose? Barabbas. They're shouting out Barabbas. Crucify him, Barabbas. Have you ever been rejected by people that are just like you? Your own people, your own folks. Jesus has. Or mocked. Matthew 27, 27 to 31. The soldiers mock Jesus. They're about to crucify him, but that's not good enough. They want to beat him up a bit first. They spit on him. They put a crown of thorns on him. They, they literally mock him publicly before he's going to take a criminal's cross. Have you ever been mocked publicly? Ever, ever been, been made to look like a fool publicly? Jesus has. Or, or forsaken and abandoned. Jesus is on the cross. And I, and I want you to picture this because... He, his, he's, been, he's already been scourged. He's already been whipped. His back is just torn, the flesh hanging off of his back. Now he's put on a cross, and now to breathe, he has to, has to lift himself up, dragging his back up the timber of the cross to get a breath. What does he call out? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Have you ever felt like God has forsaken you, abandoned you. Maybe, maybe you felt like God is looking the other way right now. He's too busy for me. Have you ever felt that way? Jesus has. That's what we celebrate at this time of year. We celebrate the gift of Jesus to the world at this time of year. We, but we need to stop and consider how, how beautiful this gift is, how amazing 
this gift is. Because in, in God's gift to us, we have a Savior that is merciful because he knows how we feel. He knows what we go through every day. We have a Savior that's perfectly suited to save us because when we, when we have struggles in our lives, when we're struggling with sin, when we're struggling with temptation, Jesus knows what that feels like. We have a Savior that is ready and willing to help, to save, to rescue, to empower because he knows what this life takes. He knows what living here takes to get through. We have a Savior that's ready to rescue, ready to empower, and a Savior that has been tempted in every way that we, have, we are and yet without sin. There are, there are those that say Jesus couldn't, couldn't possibly have really been tempted because he was God. But that flies in the face of this passage, doesn't it? This passage tells us Jesus was tempted in every way we are. Now, how do we deal with temptation? Our usual, if we're honest, is give in to it, right? Jesus never did. And so he may actually have been more tempted than we ever have been because he never gave in. When you don't give in, the temptation grows. Jesus never gave in. He was completely without sin. We have a Savior that knows exactly how we feel. Jesus knows exactly how you feel in this life. And I wanted to show you why Jesus came as a man. As Kevin said, it's, it's a completely different thing, sympathy and empathy. Empathy, the Greek word literally means in feeling. It means to feel the same as. We can have sympathy. God can have, could have had sympathy for us, but he has empathy for us. He knows how we feel. This is the gift we were given at Christmas. This is the gift we still celebrate some 2,000 years later. The gift of a baby that becomes the perfect Savior for us. Do you know this Savior? This Savior knows you. He knows how you feel. He knows what you struggle with. He knows how you hurt. He has felt the way we feel. Do you know this Savior? I'm going to ask that you bow your heads. You can come to know this Savior right now. It's a simple prayer. And it simply acknowledges that we have sin in our life. Father, I have sin in my life. I've done things wrong. I've said things wrong. I've thought things wrong. And I know the Bible calls that sin. But I trust that Jesus came to pay my price. He, he came and died on the cross to save me. So I ask you to forgive me, not, not because of who I am or what I can do, but because of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. And I ask you to come into my life and rescue me. Rescue me from this time. If you prayed that prayer for the first time this morning, you need to let somebody know. Come and let me know. Elbow your neighbor, let them know. 
Maybe this morning you are struggling with something. This can be a hard time of year. Will you lean into the Savior that knows exactly how you feel? Father, we thank you. And that just doesn't seem like enough to say. We thank you that we have a Savior, the gift of Jesus, who knows how we feel, knows how we struggle, knows how we're tempted. And yet he came and died in our place to save us. Keep us mindful of the gift you've given us this Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen.